0: This is Pastor Angela and I just wanted to drop in and welcome you to Relate's podcast. I know that you're going to be filled with faith and encouraged for your week. We love you and we're praying for you. This this particular message is relevant to this week because the whole month of October feels like something where we allow ourselves to step into something that is really quite dangerous uh, and that is fear. Although we play around with fear Uh, Fear is one of those things that it has its own agenda. It has it has something that it wants to do. We're talk about that just a little bit, but uh, the Bible actually has a lot to say about fear. In fact, there is about 365 verses. When you look up what does the Bible have to say about fear, you can cross-reference 365 different verses and passages. That's enough to read a new one every single day if you are struggling with fear. Uh, But today, I hope to give you some principles. And um, actually, some practical application. Last week, we focused more on principles to overcoming stress, to building our life. To how do I, uh, how do I trust God, and how do I um, rest in God? Because really, finding that peace of God is. Uh, I feel like this is this week is almost a part two of last week because. Trusting in God and having that peace. I gave you the principles last week, and today we're going we're to gonna kind of talk through what fear looks like in our lives, as well as some practical steps on how do I actually confront and overcome fear. So I want us to start in the, in the book, actually Old Testament, we're going to start in the Old Testament today, and then we're going to end up in the New Testament, and, and uh, I, hopefully I'll show you some passages that you may never have read, or those of you who are familiar with Gideon. You'll be able to uh, dig in a little deeper and, and find some relevance today. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 is where we'll start with our theme verse for the for the message. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Would you just tell the person sitting next to you, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Now tell them this, don't be terrified. Don't be terrified. <laughs> and then it goes on to say, don't be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I can tell you this, that... Most times, whenever I'm kind of freaking out and I'm worried and stressed out and afraid, uh, if if my wife tells me, "Hey, just calm down." In fact, one of the one of the versions of uh, of the Bible says, "Calm down." That's that's like the last thing you want to hear is "Calm down." You're overreacting. I'm going to be with you. Don't be terrified. It's going to be okay. Like that, that that's easier said than done. And so I'll start this message, uh, identifying that. That, uh, that concept that it's a lot easier said than done to just relax, don't be afraid, God's with you. But here's the truth, God's with you, and he's not going to leave you. And so his, his standard for us, even though we think, well, it's not, not be scared, not be terrified, but be confident and be courageous. So just we'll start with that idea that God doesn't want you to be afraid. God has given us the ability to overcome, as he has overcome, all of the fears that we have. So, fear doesn't come to play. Fear is a serious, serious thing. Like, we don't talk about this much, but what more fitting time to talk about it than right now, uh, even going into Halloween. We have an enemy that is just as real as any other thing in the Bible. We have an enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy and one of the ways that he, one of the primary ways that he does that is by putting fear, by lying to us in a way that makes us afraid. And so we're going to look at a couple of those things. But before we do, I want to look at fear itself and the the uh, the the mission, if you will, the mission of fear. And rather than going through a list, uh, which probably you have all heard and we've all become very familiar with phobias and all of the different things that we're afraid of. I want to actually break it down and give you five. It's it's called the fear hierarchy. Psychologists have broken down all of those phobias into five different categories that will help us to kind of understand fear itself rather than just looking at individual fears like fear of dying or fear of uh, spiders or a hundred different things that you can be afraid of. There are people who are afraid of toilets. There are people who are afraid. So we're going to go... Number one, and as we go down this list of five, it's actually going to get more and more focused into things that it's not just an emotional response. And things, as we go down the list, it's things that kind of stay with us, things that we live with, and you'll see that as we go. Number one's the in the hierarchy of fear is the fear of death. Now this is this is actually a bunch of different phobias. It's a bunch of different fears lumped together like fear of heights and fear of being up on high places or when you read about how i've never been to the grand canyon but the idea of walking out over the grand canyon onto a glass platform where you just look down and there's nothing there that's the idea is to me kind of amazing because i've never had a fear of heights i get up into high places and it's like wow this is amazing but i know a lot of people just imagining being up high it's like nope don't need that in my life I had, not too long ago, about three years ago, I was up on a roof, two-story roof with a really uh, hard pitch. And I I had psyched myself up. Hey, I'm not afraid of heights. Let's go. We're going to put up Christmas lights on the roof. And I got up on the roof, and I managed to get my feet under me, and I'm walking, just taking it slow. We're putting up. I wasn't tied off or anything. It was kind (laughs) of dumb. Putting Christmas lights up. I managed to get all the way to the peak. And Work my way across and then I got to a place where there was nothing to hold on to and I'm sitting on the peak and somehow I got to get from the from the the top edge of the roof back down to the bottom where the ladder is And I didn't see the ladder over there, but I knew it was around the corner And so at some point I've never been afraid of heights on my way down Just to make my way down to the edge of I could see the rain gutter and then below that's like 25 feet I'm not afraid until I start sliding on the shingles. (laughs) I didn't have the right shoes on, and I knew that I was in trouble. And as the I was sliding pretty slow, just gradually, and I began like this terror, like I've never felt, began to grip me, and I just froze and tried to spread myself out to where I'm like sitting and laying back trying to get as much surface area as possible to not slide off the edge because I knew I couldn't catch the rain gutter and it probably wouldn't hold me and I'd fall. And I had this image of myself like dead on the ground and that as I'm slowly sliding down and I gradually came to a stop about halfway between the peak and the edge. At that moment, I've, again, never been afraid of heights, but at that moment I was afraid to move. I, I just kept imagining myself. I didn't see anybody else. I couldn't see the ladder. I was frozen for about 15 minutes, figuring out how am I going to – if I move, I'm going to start sliding again. I'm dead. My kids aren't going to have a father. My, like, I I started screaming, trying to get someone to come help me. Finally, someone came. with. We got a rope and a, got the ladder moved. I got down, and as I made my way down the ladder, I made a decision. I'm not going on any more roofs. I'm not afraid of heights, but I'm afraid of roofs, right? I'm not done. I'm not a a Christmas-like person. If I can't do it from the edge, it's not getting done. So... My mind changed in that moment. All of a sudden, fear kind of paralyzed me. That's what it That's what it wants to do. That's the mission of fear, is to paralyze us. The second category is the fear of injury. That's like where we get fear of insects and spiders and creepy crawly things. And at my house, I'm the, I'm the guy that handles those things. Everybody else just screams and hollers and runs. So that's the fear of injury. The fear of immobilization, like the fear of being paralyzed, the fear of... Of claustrophobia, being imprisoned, buried alive—all those things fit into that. Like I'm going to get stuck. The fear of isolation is the fourth one. That's where we have this fear of abandonment, rejection, being like left alone, being forgotten in the world. And these are the kinds of fears as we go down this list that are getting more and more. That uh, they're not as. Like we get away from the creepy, crawly things and now we're talking about something that can stay with me my whole life and paralyze me from actually living where I'm supposed to live and being who I'm supposed to be, because I'm afraid of being something I'm not supposed to be. Fear of isolation. Being left alone. And finally, this is, they say, the most common fear. Uh, the most common fears fall within this category It's called the fear of humiliation. This is the fear of, th- this is really speaking to how we perceive ourselves and how we think other people see us. There are people who wake up every day and struggle with this fear all day long. Then they wake up the next day and struggle with this fear all day long. And they never become who they're supposed to become because they Are too afraid. And they never go where they're supposed to go because they're too afraid. And I don't know what your fear is, but I challenge you today to just be open to the idea that God wants you and will help you to overcome your fear. No matter what and how big the fear is, He can help us. So here's one concept I need you to understand before we move on. That we focus on the fear because we see it's me against this fear. We give this fear all the power of, of of being our adversary, and that's not the truth. The Bible describes our enemy, the devil, as someone who uses fear against us like a weapon, and that fear has a mission. In fact, the Bible tells us about the spirit of fear. And so whenever we think of fear, it's not just this, it's almost like, when you learn about an English class and, and, and writing that you have uh, man versus man or man versus himself, and that we think that I have to overcome my own fears and that fear, we kind of give it a face and we give it its own story. But the truth is that we have an enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And just, he wants to take everything from you. And if he can do it with fear, he will. And if you, if you just give all of face value to fear, like there's nothing behind fear, then we have a, this super shallow, one-dimensional uh, battle going on between you and something that feels unsurmountable. The truth is that that fear has an enemy behind it, and we have God behind us. And fear will, will only be allowed to take from you what, it, what you allow it to take. So, I want us to pick up in Judges, chapter 6, verse 11. And we're going to look at, uh, I'll, I'll explain where we're at, but I want us to read this first uh, This first verse. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak, under the tree in Ophrah, that belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. In other words, here's what's happening. Gideon is uh, preparing a meal. He, They're hungry. They're actually starving. If you go back and read the the, the book, if you read the book of Judges leading up to uh, chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and into 6, that Gideon and all the people of Israel, they're starving. They are they are oppressed and suppressed. The Midianites basically take anything that they have. So if they make a weapon, find a weapon, get a weapon, make food, if they make crops, the Midianites come in and steal it, destroy their houses. They They are basically crushed to the point that they just can't put anything together. They can't grow, they can't hardly survive. They're worse than poor. They're worse than slaves because slaves have provision. They Anything they have, they have to hide it. And so Gideon is in a wine press threshing wheat. Of course, most of us don't know about what threshing wheat looks like, but basically we go to the grocery store and pick up a bag of flour. If you're threshing wheat, you take the wheat, you cut it, and then you crush it, and then you have to separate the good stuff from the bad stuff. And the way they do that would be to like go up on a hill And then they would kind of toss it and shake it and let the good stuff stay. And the bad stuff would blow away in the wind because it's lighter. But Gideon can't do that because if he shows anyone, if anyone sees that he has food or wheat, they'll come and take it from him. So he's hiding, afraid, in a wine press, which is not on a hill. It's in the ground. It's a pit that's dug into the ground and covered so that... It's protected, but no one can see him. I can't imagine how he's actually separating his, the wheat. Maybe by hand? That's crazy. That's way overworking. But he can't do what he wants to do because he's afraid. And so that's really the setup for him and why he's in the wine press. And this is the, the story of Israel at that time. The, the people of the God's people... Had a tendency over and over and over in the Old Testament. You read through the Old Testament; this happens over and over and over. That God's people drift away from God. They stop worshiping Him. They start making false idols. They start living crazy, sinful lives, and God says, "Okay, you want to live like that? Go ahead. I, how, if you're not, if you if you're going to drift away from Me and worship other gods, I'm going to let you go." And then He'd let them go. And then other uh, countries would come in, like the Midianites or the Philistines would come in, or the Egyptians, and that they would be enslaved, or they would be suppressed or oppressed. They would, they would basically get themselves into bad situations. They would come crawling back to God. God, save us! Rescue us! And then he would come and rescue them. And then after a few years, a generation or two, they would slip right back into the same worshiping of the gods, back and forth, the same cycle, over and over and over. It's almost like... When my kids are doing something and I know they're going to get hurt. And I say, if you keep doing that, you're going to get hurt. Like I can only tell them that so much, right? Because at some point they keep doing it. And I finally, I'm fine, you're going to get hurt. And then sure enough, what happens? They get hurt. They fall or they break something. And what do I say? I, I wish I was as graceful as God. And oh, let me help you. No, I said, I told you so. That's usually my response. But then I help them, right? But God... Steps right back in. As soon as they call out to him, cry out to God, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's exactly what God does over and over for them. And So this is the moment where they're oppressed and they start calling out, crying out to God, save us. And then God sends a judge. And so the judge that he's sending, the person that he's sending is Gideon. But Gideon is in a pit trying to come up with his next meal, afraid of the Midianites. And so we see this interaction where the Lord comes and visits Gideon and says, Hey, I got a plan for you. It's time to go go do something. And we watch this interaction happening between between them. And I want you to know this first. You can write this down. Fear will put you in a pit and out of your purpose. So like the mission of fear, it wants to take you away from the thing that God has for you. And it would be happy to just put you in a pit for the rest of your life and say, Hey, go figure out, struggle for your meals. Fight for your next meal and just stay hidden and afraid for the rest of your life. But faith wants you to step out of the pit and go find your purpose. Here we go. Judges chapter 6 verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now just take, real quick, I'm going to stop here for just a second. The, The words that the angel gives Gideon are full of faith, right? Right off the bat, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And watch what Gideon's response is. Remember, he's afraid, hiding in the pit. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? He goes on, where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? And now you can see that he's kind of angry when he's saying, but now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. In other words, what are you talking about? The Lord is with you. Does it look like the Lord is with you? How many of you ever have felt like that to God? Of course, we don't say, God, what's up? But that's how we feel like, God, I thought you said I was supposed to be blessed. I thought you said, don't be afraid. Don't be terrified for the Lord God is with you. But it doesn't always feel that way. And that's where Gideon's at. And we get his first responds or his first reaction to fear because he's afraid is anger. And so that's your first that's your first blank today. So we respond with anger. I'll prove it to you. If you're if if your kid is missing, right? 2-year-old, 3-year-old, 4-year-old, you're in the grocery store and you say, "Stay with me. I'm not going to tell you again. Stay with me." And then you turn around and boom, they're gone. All of a sudden you're panicking, looking, "Where Where is he where is he where is he and as soon as you find them you're not that afraid anymore the 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 fear has kind of turned into anger i told you not to go away right i told you not to not to leave me and our fear causes us to react in anger this world is full of things that are designed to make us fear, the things the things that are happening around us. We're afraid of terrorism. I, th- I think we've never lived in a world that there are more things to be afraid of. Our economy. You can't turn on the television without being shown the economy is this or this. It's going to go down. You're going to lose your job or taxes are going up or crime or hate crime or this group of people or that group of people or losing our rights or we're destroying the planet or this and that and that. But a lot of times our response to that fear is anger And the worst part about all of that Is that God's purpose for us is derailed And we'll go hide in the pit While the purpose is left undone God has something for you to accomplish in this world And as long as we can never step out to to accomplish it Anger binds us from God's purpose That's scary. We'll read on. Judges chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. The Lord turned to him, and so his first response is, but what happened? Look at, this is, it doesn't feel like what you're saying is true, and so the angel gives him a second dose of faith. He says, go in strength, go in the strength you have, and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? In other words, I'm the Lord. I'm sending you to do it. It's your purpose. I've given you this purpose. Doesn't that make sense? Isn't that enough? And so Gideon's response to that faith, again, is fear. But Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. And so we see that he kind of shifts from anger right into insecurity of, look at who I am. Look at the circumstance of my life. Look at how I was raised. Look at what I was brought up in. Look at my parents. My family is the weakest and I'm the least of my family. I'm nobody. And once again, he's removed from the purpose. Because the angel's saying, go. The Lord says, your purpose is over here. Let's go. I'm sending you. He responds with insecurity. He responds with insecurity. Fear leads us to insecurity. Even in the face and when we're, we're being given faith And someone's speaking faith to us. A lot of times we just cower because of our fear. And we stay in the pit. 60% studies show that 60% of women, of ladies, deal with this statement every single day. And it's, I'm not blank enough. I'm not blank enough. Because we're afraid that we're not enough. It's just like Gideon saying, I'm going to stay right here in this pit because... Look at my family. Look at me. I'm not enough. I know that guys, we deal with this statement. Do I have what it takes to be a good dad? Do I have a good do I have what it takes to, to, to lead my family? To have a ministry, to do to become who God wants me to be, to keep my marriage. Do I have what it takes to have a marriage that doesn't end a divorce? Do I have what it takes? But here's what I want you to know: that where you are is not who you are. So you might be sitting in a pit right now. You may be working down in a pit, trying to just figure out how to get your next meal, but God's saying, that's not who you are. I've made you for more, but you've got to see yourself past the fear. You have to look beyond the fear to the idea and the concept that God has something much, much bigger for you, but you've got to get up out of the pit and go do it. And not let the fear overcome you. So we read on. The Lord answered in verse 16, I'll be with you, and you will strike down the we will strike down the Midianites together. So a third wave of faith, here comes the Lord saying, I'm gonna be with you, we're gonna strike them down. You have my word. And so Gideon shifts again to a, 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 a third response to his fear. Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back. And bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I'll wait till you return. So Gideon is finally starting to move off of the place where he's at. But he's like, okay, I'm going to go, but I'm going to come back. And if we're going to do this, I want to be in control. So control is that that third uh, response and that... Third coping mechanism of fear that hey if I'm gonna step out I'm doing it my way and I want to be in total control and so it becomes really hard when we feel like hey I've got to move I've got to move on and take a step of faith and that step of faith for you might be <coughs> anything it, it may, we talked earlier about getting baptized well if I'm gonna get baptized I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it my way I, I don't want to do and then we start giving guidelines and we get we start giving uh, procedural like I, I just I'm gonna do it my way. Or maybe we feel like our next step is to join a small group. It's really hard to join small groups. Or we talk about growth track starts again next week. Or even joining a church because we want to be in control. And we've done that before. And it's painful. And we're afraid of the results that might come. And so we say, I'm going to do it at my pace. And I'm just going to go real slow. And I'm like, I'm not ready to just take a step. I want to do it my way. And so we try to control every step. And part of taking a step of faith is surrender. Part of taking a step of faith is surrender to God and surrendering our will. So the enemy uses fear to suppress us, but God uses faith to bless us. You, The thing that God has for you is a blessing. God has so many blessings for you. You got to get past the fear and understand that God wants you to overcome the fear. So in the time that I have left, I want to give you, this is our first, uh, I think, I I tried to remember back. I haven't done an acrostic before, so in a year and a half or more, this is the first one that you get here at Relate. So I'm going to give you each each letter or each point is going to stand for a different letter. So when you spot fear. S-P-O-T. When you spot fear, here's what we do. Number one, you're going to stand your ground. So write that down. Stand your ground. So stand your ground. Don't run away. Don't fear. This is like when the Israelites were standing at the Red Sea, and here comes the Egyptian army, and God says, go that way, and I've got a plan, and I'm going to save you. And they had a choice. We can either scatter and run and jump into the water or or fight, or, or we can stand and trust God. So the question is... Are you going to trust God? Are you going to stand and believe? Or are you going to go hide? For Some of you, you may have been hiding for a long time. It's time to step out and say, okay, we're going to, we're going to face this down. I had a, when I was, I, this is a big statement for me to say, so I realize that probably sounds extreme. It probably sounds over the top, but I I have never known anyone. And if you've known me for, especially since I was a teenager, if you've known me for any length of time you probably know this about me that I I've, I've never known anyone that has been like a, a, as afraid of public speaking and social interactions as I have been and had to overcome like the idea of getting in front of people and speaking was like physically overwhelming <laughs> for me but at at the age of 17 I knew that God wanted to use this insecure, uh, introverted young guy that had. No, I, I didn't. I never had an agenda to go and build a church. I promise you. Even whenever we started to build this church, I, both Angela and I, both said, "God, are you sure? I, I, I can live the rest of my life just serving you. I don't. I don't need to even preach. I'm happy." I want to see people get saved, but every time I tried to do something for God, I felt God pulling. Even from the age of 17, I felt God pulling, and I kept getting put in situations where, hey, I need, like, getting put in a situation where I had to be in front of people, and I would resist it and fight it and figure out how to get someone else to do it. Until one day, I finally decided, this if this is the army that I'm facing, if this is the army that I have to fight, this is my biggest fear. I'm willing to stand and, and overcome it. I'm willing to trust God to overcome it. Even though it's the hardest battle that... It's easy to say now, of course I'm standing on the stage talking to you. Those of you who deal with that fear of being in in, in a public... In fact, once I learned to sing, I could get on stage and sing, but the moment I had to say something, I would like start to be gripped with fear and couldn't speak. <laughs> some, of, some of the worship team is raising their hand over here. That's a real thing. Like I That was... <coughs> I wanted to physically be sick if I had to speak in front of people, even like four or five people in a in a a circle or in a classroom. Somebody would say, "Hey, can you pray?" I would just not say anything. I would just stand there and like wait till someone else (laughs) prayed. You know that if you know me, you you know that I can just embrace the awkwardness of a silent moment and just let everybody else feel awkward until the moment changes. (laughs) But that's how I cope with not wanting to be in any kind of a spotlight. But here's what I finally figured out. If God wants to win a battle, i got to be willing to step out and do things even that make me feel uncomfortable and to overcome my own fear. And so step by step by step, that's how I know that he can help you to overcome every fear. Whatever fear stands in front of you, it's just, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to be willing to step up and trust God to do something? Or are you just going to sit down in the pit be content? Well, I, I'm good here, God. I can, I can separate this wheat by hand. It's a heavy, heavy cost to suppress the thing that God has for you to do and exchange it for your fear. It's not worth it. So Moses answers the people, do not be afraid there at as they stood at the Red Sea. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you'll see the deliverance of the Lord and the, the Lord will bring, you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. Like if you just trust God, just believe in God. And so in Judges chapter 6 verse 16, actually that's Exodus. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you'll need only, you need only to be still. Moses tells them. You gotta trust, you can't run, just trust in God, because the ones the battle that you could see coming at you right now, the people that you fear, the one, the fear that you have, you're gonna overcome it you're not gonna have to face it again. Yeah. Step two, pray for peace. This sounds easy. <laughs> this sounds easy. We talk about the peace that surpasses all understanding, that supernatural kind of peace that goes Like, we don't understand it, but I have peace right in the middle of this storm. You want me to tell you how to get there? Watch this. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 is actually a recipe. You can write it down. We're going to talk about it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, three things. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the response is that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts. And your mind in Christ Jesus. In other words, the things that we can't physically do or we're able to do on our own, When we do those three things. So you got to do those three things. Prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. So when you're struggling with fear, whenever you're trying to decide, how do I take that step of faith? I want to be baptized, but I can't stand the idea of actually going and getting baptized in front of people. I want to sing in public, but I can't stand the idea of actually standing in front of What if I make a mistake? What if everybody laughs at me? What if? How's everybody going to see me? I want to speak in public. I want to be able to make friends. I want to be able to interact and share my faith. I want to do all those things, but I don't know how. You just take a step, and God will give you that step if you pray about it. So number one, pray. you got to tell God what the problem Like, it's just that simple. You don't have to say dearest, heavenliest father. Thou hast whatever, like you don't have to have a special language to pray in the King James Version. All you got to do is just tell God what's going on. Like, God, I'm struggling. Like Gideon, I'm in trouble here. God, what are you talking about? Don't be afraid. I'm, I'm freaking out. I promise you're not going to hurt God's feelings. You're not going to be halfway through the sentence and him bang a gavel and send you packing. God wants to know where you're at. The second thing, the petition. Tell him what you want him to do. God, I need you to show up in this situation and help me overcome this fear. I need you to help this to happen. And then the third thing is we start thanksgiving. Start giving thanks for, God, I thank you that you have helped me to take this step. God, I thank you that you send somebody to stand with me, that we can do this together. Like, start praying. Tell him what's going on. Tell him what you want him to do. And then thank him for it. Like now you've shifted your mind into the victory. And you that's the first step of faith. Because just saying that prayer is a step of faith. And then we start moving toward our actions. And you might still not feel the emotion. You might still feel that, that fear in the back of your mind. Or maybe it's in the front of your mind. Maybe if it's like me whenever I was having to step up on a stage or step in front of people, even in a small crowd, it, it was not just like this, oh, man. No, it was like a gut-wrenching physical manifestation of my fear. Like I would be shaking. I remember holding a paper, trying trying to hold it still enough to where I could read it, my knees shaking and having to, before I, before I stepped in front of even 50 people, like needing to like, Go lose my lunch or breakfast, like it was. Like I can only tell you how bad it was, and still, those things are like amped up with ideas of like, well, what if my, what if my clothes are not just right, or what if, what if my blinds open, or what if my like all the ideas that come into your mind. What if, what if, what if, what if? Just amplify those fears. God has a purpose for you. Number three, object to the lies because I promise you, the moment you decide to step out and say, "Okay, I'm gonna stand. Let's do this. Here's my prayer. God, let's take a step together. You're with me. I'm not gonna be afraid." The moment you do that, lies start coming into your head. Well, you've never been good enough, or what's so and so gonna say about you, or what's gonna happen? You're probably gonna fall down. You're probably uh, you're gonna make a fool out of yourself. All those lies start coming. you got to punch back. You have to decide that those lies aren't going to affect, and they're not going to stop you. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that set, sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive, think about that, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That again, the battle's happening in our mind. We're, we're fighting the battle of fear right here, not out here. Not in our actions, it's right here in our mind. Because the moment that Gideon got up out of that pit, he started walking by faith. He started believing and started acting by faith. And you're going to see that when we see the rest of the story. But you have to be ready to punch back. You have to be ready to punch back. And finally, number four, I'll finish, I'll finish with this one. you got to trust God. Like when you've said everything you can say, when you've decided to follow God, when you've decided to stand and not run away. When you've decided, okay, I prayed about it. Let's go. I'm not going to believe the lies. At that point, you just have to trust God. Like do what you can. I love I love the idea. We pray this all the time that God will do what we can and that he'll do what we can't. Like, he picks up whenever, our, whenever we end. When we're at the end of our road that's where he is ready to ready to carry on and do all the impossible things he's in the business of doing impossible things over and over and over and yet every time it comes to an impossible thing we <coughs> say well god what happened this is impossible of course that's what he does and it's a surprise every time why we should just trust god david says it this way in psalm chapter 56 when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Would you just say those words right now? Let, like, Seriously, let your own ears hear your mouth say, I put my trust in you. One more time. I put my trust in you. Read it with me. In God, whose word I praise. In God I trust, and I am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Like, If we can remind ourselves, I'm going to trust in God. Once you start stepping out by faith, you have a different playbook. You have have a different way of operating and responding to fear. You don't have to cower. You don't have to climb down into a pit and hide. You can step up and follow God and walk by faith and trust Him. We see that in Judges chapter 7 when Gideon finally decides, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. And he goes and puts together an army to face all of the Midianites. But they've been crushed for years. He puts together 32,000 men. And yet the angel, the Lord says, no, I don't want you to have 32,000 men going into the battle. And so <laughs> he puts them through a few tests and then he says, whoever wants to go home, go home. I think it was 21,000 men went home. <laughs> and then he does another. He, he tests them again and he says, okay, if you go back and read it, all but 300 men end up leaving. He's got 300 men. And yet the Bible is clear that the Lord delivers them from the Midianites with just 300 men. God doesn't want... We we think, God, I could have a lot of faith if you could just give me <laughs> a million dollars. I could do anything for you, right? He says, I don't want you to have a million dollars. You could do it with one dollar. When we started the church, I thought... Okay, God, I'm willing to start a church, but I need a lot of money. He said, no, you don't need a lot of money. (laughs) I wrote down what what I thought we needed. It turned out we didn't need that. But doesn't it happen that way all the time. We think we need something or we we could just do this, but then why would we need faith? Why would we need to trust him if we had everything we needed? God wants to take you somewhere. So write this down. It's time to fight because my future is on the other side of my fear. It's time to get up out of the pit. It's time to leave behind the the fear that's been suppressing you and holding you back and keeping you from your purpose. But you have to decide, all right, I'm going. I'll trust you, God. I'll believe in you, and I'll put my trust in God alone. Would you pray with me today? Let's commit to put our trust in Him and nothing else. Not let our not not be overcome by fear. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today that you have called us out of the pit and into our purpose. God, I thank you that you are every bit worthy of our trust. So today, whatever fear is facing us, whatever fear has been causing us to cower in the corner. Lord, we, we just submit every one of those things to you. And we say we trust in you. We put our trust in you today, God. And we trust that you'll help us to walk through it in Jesus' name. And now before we leave this moment, for anybody else that's in the room, if you're here and you've never you've never started a relationship of trust, not just See, we have to hand God, it's like we take back control, like the Israelites. We come to God, but then we we kind of drift back and say, okay, God, I'm gonna drive again. So we keep coming back. But if you've never even started a relationship with God of trust and faith, maybe today's the day that you start that. Maybe today is the day where you go from being far from God to being right next to him. He wants to, he wants to be a part of your life. God. God wants to be able to speak to you and walk with you through every struggle of life into the purpose that he made you for. You have to be willing to invite him in and surrender. Say, okay, I surrender. Just like Gideon. Done doing it my way. Done fighting my way and hiding. And I'm ready to surrender to you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to say one more prayer. And I want to invite Jesus to come into our lives and into our hearts and into our minds to transform us and to walk with us. If that's you and you're ready to say that prayer with me, you want to be included in that prayer with nobody looking around, would you just raise your hand up? I won't ask you to stand up or come forward, but I I would love for us to be able to say this prayer together. So if that's you, just raise your hand up real quick and then you can put it back down. Awesome. Awesome. I'm excited for us to say this prayer. Would you say it with me together? Let's all say it with one voice. one, One voice. Dear Heavenly Father, today I put my trust in you. Today I invite you to walk with me. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Make me whole and make me new. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning into our podcast this week. We would love to meet you sometime. You can get all the details at www.relatecommunity.com. Pastor Sean and I are praying for you and we're speaking life over you and we know that your best days are ahead. See you soon.